a few scriptures, um, we can begin. So, first I want to read uh, Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. And when we read Isaiah 49, this is, this is God the Father, and He is speaking towards the nation of Israel, but there's a lot of truth that we can glean from it. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of truth. So, Isaiah 49, verse 11, says this, And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways will be exalted. Of course, the only way that he could say this was that everything that he knew about Israel and every single thing that he knew about us, all that he knew about both was that he knew it in his son. Jesus Christ. He never thought apart from his son, and his son never thought apart from his father concerning us. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit would come forth from both and give us amazing truth. But he said that I will make all my mountains away. And, of course, we all have mountains in our life, every one of us. And in a sense, it's, it, it could be moments at a time. It could be weeks at a time. It could be a life time of overcoming mountains. And, uh, but what I love about it is, is that he foresaw all of our mountains. He did. And he made them all his. And that's why he says, I'll make all my mountains. And that's very, very very, very intimate what God is saying because he, he wants us to know very clearly this morning that all those mountains, all those things that seem so impossible to us when we consider how frail and, and weak we are and we all sense that because we are. And then at times when we in our thoughts and we all do this uh, dwell on our thoughts and not him he wants us to know that those mountains that seem impossible, he's, the reason that they're possible with God, all things are possible, is because he's made those mountains his. That means he's made every single thing about us, every single concern about us, he has made it his. He's made it his. And so that's why um, we have these mountains. The reason that we have them, uh, we've said many, many times that in Genesis 50, verse 20, all that Joseph's brothers did to him, he, he made this response, and it was over a, a period of time, years, where God had to bring him to this place to show him that everything that he was going through and he had to go through it. We do. Sometimes We don't want to sometimes. I don't. I, I seriously, what we call the tough times. I mean, I'd rather not. <laughs> but then I'm going to miss what he made to be his and me at that time. That's what it is revealing to me personally uh, this morning. We all have to go through this. And I think it's beautiful, the psalm that he gave David. There's a beautiful psalm. 
and someone here has really liked that song for a long time. I'm not going to tell you her names. Are, her initials, I don't want to say her name, but her initials are Brahbarathpun. Brahbarathpun. Uh, so I'll just say her initials. As Psalm 23. And David faced some pretty, pretty tough mountains. He faced them within. We all have to face those within. There's things that we, you know, we would rather not deal with them, but God wants us to know that he is going through those with us. And he's going through them with us, having made them his own, because he's for us. He's for us. And that's what he was trying to make very clear to me about the whole history of my life as I was just thinking about it and dealing with personal things. You know, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5, he said there were fears within. Hey, we are not the only ones. No, we're not. We're not. They, he said there were fears within and fightings without. <laughs> there's a lot going on on the inside with all of us. And then there's a lot going on on the outside. But the truth of the matter is, is that God, through Jesus Christ, has made it all his because how else could we ever get through it? They're his mountains. And he allows them to be there. Because they're his. He's made them his. And so what a, what a thing it is. He says, behold, these will come from far. And lo, from the north and from the west. And these from the land of of Sinai. Then he says, makes this verse, and he's talking about Israel and everything that they went through as a nation. And if we've done any study, or even just now, what's before us in Israel, what they go through. He's saying, everything that you went through as a nation, I've gone through it with you. And even though God even allowed some of it to lovingly, lovingly discipline them as a nation, he said in Isaiah 63, Verse 9, he said, In all their affliction, I was afflicted. This is amazing. He, he's so one with the nation of Israel. How much more with us? He has made him, God himself has made himself one with us through Jesus Christ. Sometimes we say, why? Why did you have to do it this way? And we'll see. We'll see because he showed me. And then he said this, and he's saying this to the nation of Israel, but he's speaking to them in terms of faith. I want you to believe that what I am doing in you, that maybe you don't even see yet, I've already done. I've already done it. So he said, he said in verse 13, Sing, O heavens. All the heavens that are around him in, in, in his presence. He's revealing in a huge way. Do you know when he does one thing for us? And he does it. And we said it the other, the other day. And, and I love the way that God brought that. That he has a very exclusive love for you and I. He loves us, and it's the truth, with a love that he can only love us with. Because he's designed us that way. 
can only love us that way. And it's very exclusive. I mean, when we, when we get to see truth about our position in Christ, we read the book of Ephesians. There's no higher height for us as believers than in the book of Ephesians. It's the height of the Christian position. But every single bit of it, the whole start of it, is very individual. Very individual. That's what makes up the whole body of Christ. We talk about the corporate body, and it's true. But it's what makes up the corporate body is the very exclusive love that he has for the individual. That means he has made all of our problems, everything, he has made them his made them his. They're his mountains. So that means that when we have these mountains of impossibility in our life, he is showing us who he is by making those mountains his and showing us just who he is to us exclusively. Yeah. Well, again, Romans 8, verse 18, he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us and on us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of those mountains were tough to climb. That's right. They were tough. But he was with us, being in us, going before us, going with us, going in us, and going before us. And he's at the end. That's why Jesus said in Revelations 1, verse 8, I'm the Alpha. I'm your beginning. That's what he's saying. I am your Alpha. I am your beginning. You think of that. God has never seen you and I. And by the way, he doesn't define us by our mountains and by our struggles and by our difficulties. Because every single one of us has them. And another ploy and trick of the enemy is to make you and I think that we're the only ones. And by the way, it's not true. We all have to deal with these things. We didn't get to where we were without him dealing in us to bring us there. So he's our alpha. That means that God has never seen us outside of Jesus Christ. He's our beginning. He is our beginning. And then he said, I'm the Alpha. And then what did he say? He said, I am the Omega. I'm the end. Our beginning is Christ. And our eternal end will be Christ. And it is him. So he said, I want you to sing, O heavens. Watch what I'm doing. See all you angels? All of you that is the church that's gone on before and is in my presence, watch what I'm doing with those that I love. Do you see their mountains? They're mine and you watch. And sing heavens and be joyful. Earth. And break forth into singing, O mountains. Ooh. Boy, I don't know about you guys. I tell you, there's some mountains that I've crossed, and I'm sure we all have, that have been so tough. Uh, Psalm 76, verse 10. 
It says the wrath of man will praise him. There's times, and, and then it says, and the remainder he will restrain. That's a very interesting verse. God taught me about that a long time ago in my experience. Because of certain things that happened to me, I really responded to him in great anger. Because I misunderstood things. I didn't see things the way that he saw them. I didn't see that those mountains that were in my life were his. I didn't see that. And I, what I was doing at the time was I was mixing my thoughts with his thoughts instead of mixing total the faith in him and total dependence upon him and his thoughts towards me. And I was very angry, and I, I really was for, for some years. And someone is shaking their head because they might have even seen that in me personally at times. There was anger because I didn't understand things. And there's still one of the things I, honestly, I'll be very honest with you, I, I still don't understand. I don't. But he's showing me. He's showing me. And that, and he's guarding us. He's guarding me and he's guarding us because I thank God that in 1 John 3 verse 20, if, and it's almost when for me, uh, my heart condemns me, my own thoughts that aren't his, God is greater than our heart. He's greater than our thoughts. And he knows all things. That means he knows that what I'm struggling with, he's made his. And because he has, he's going to see me through. And I can remember times, I'm, I'm thinking back, I can remember times when I was in anger at God, in anger about why he allowed certain things. And then he just would come in in a moment of praising him. That's Psalm 7610. He showed it to me. He showed me that even he allows this wrath in me to even bring me to him. So, in, in a sense, he was saying to me, don't even allow the enemy to condemn you when that happens to you, because I love you. And we've said so many times, and I need to hear it over and over again. That God has condemned everything that could condemn us. He has a way of showing us that. Very personally. And that's why his love is so exclusive to us in that sense. Yeah. That he has condemned every single thing in Christ that could condemn us. And that could be used by the enemy to separate us from his love. And, I, what I, and then the body gets together. And we all, with this exclusive love that he's given us, it becomes all-inclusive. <laughs> it includes everybody, but it's in a very, very, very exclusive, personal way. He said, so, you know your mountains and your struggles? You watch, you trust me. Those that you are struggling up, I'm going to make it so that you're going to be singing with me up that mountain. There's going to come a time when you're going to be singing. For the Lord, watch what it says, and this is what he always does. For the Lord has comforted his people. Oh, we're his. Listen, we are not our struggles. We are not our bad days. And I have I'll be, I'm telling you, I really do. I am. But we're not our bad days. 
We're not our struggles. We're not what we don't know. We're what, what he knows us to be in himself. And he has nothing but the most unbelievable love for us. We, listen, he, he is so for us. He gave us the greatest, brightest, most best thing to him in heaven. He gave us his son. And in Romans 8, verse 31, since God is for us, does it even matter what whatever it could be could think that it could be against us? Having spared not his only son, that's how, that's how the mountains are his. Yeah, He sent Jesus to go before us in every single thing that we would face, everything. So the Lord will have comfort for us for his people and he'll have mercy upon his afflicted but Zion would say and I think in some measures maybe some of us or could be that all of us have felt that the Lord has forsaken us it's Isaiah 49 uh, 14 the Lord has forsaken me and that could only take place with all of us in our own thoughts because it could never be his thoughts never never and uh, the Lord has forsaken me and my and then it makes it very personal my Lord has forsaken me has forgotten me look at verse 15 this is what it says and God showed me this verse really this morning speaking to me very personally he said can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb and this is what he said. Yea, they may forget. They may. Yet will I not forget you. And what, he, what I think this is really saying is, you guys know better than me. And I don't know about being a mom. I can know through the Holy Spirit uh, giving me things. But there's nothing like being one with the Holy Spirit. But what I think he's saying is that even you folks as moms, loving your children, I don't think there's ever a time that you didn't or that you never did want to comfort them. But then sometimes things come in our life and we become occupied with those. Not that, we, not that you don't love your children. This is what he was telling me this morning. Not that you don't love your children. And, I'm not, and he's saying to me, I'm not saying that to you here. I'm not saying that you don't. And I'm not saying that you wouldn't, your, your love would do anything you could to comfort them. But then there's things that come in, our, in your life where you become occupied with that. He said, but I'm not like that. That's what he's saying here. I'm like, whoa. Whoa. He said, I'm, I'm not like that. There's never a time where I become so occupied with myself that I would even not be thinking of you in my love and my comfort for you. For you. That's what he was saying to me this morning. I went, oh, wow. Boy, did I need to hear that this morning. I did. And then he said, well, they may forget for a time. They might not be occupied. That's what he was saying. They might not be occupied with the love and comfort they desire. But I'm never like that. Not even like that. There's never a time that I am not occupied with you. And that in my love, I want to comfort you. He says, Behold, I have graven you upon the palms of my hands. 
what he's saying is, listen, if anybody knows me, and God is saying, if anyone knows who I am, I know myself. And in knowing myself, I know you. <laughs> Can he ever forget who he is? No. Can he ever forget who we are in him? Not even for one second. Not even for one second and we struggle we do and thank God that we're not in our struggles and we fail and I've said before if there's one thing I hate to do is fail but God uses it in my life personally to show me that he doesn't and that the issue has to be with you and I at all times is that in 1 Corinthians 13 8 his love, who he is, never fails. In other words, he will never fail me because he never fails to not know me in his love and comfort. And that's why even in Isaiah 30, verse 18, he, he would say, I'm waiting to be gracious. And he has to wait while he goes through with us, never leaving us, nor forsake us, to come to the place where we see, oh, you know, it really is all you, Lord. It really is. You're greater than any projection. You're greater than any lie. And you prove yourself to be true. And even as we go through these struggles, and we at times go through them, He's even using those to show us how much He loves us and how faithful He will come to Because He's faithfulness. And in Galatians 5, 6, it's not what we do and it's not what we don't do. And we make those the issues. But he doesn't. He does not. Not a single time. He doesn't. It's not what we do. He doesn't make it an issue. It's not what we don't do. He doesn't make it the issue. But it's a faith that expresses itself through love. In other words, it's a trust and utter dependence through his love. And when I experience that love, I experience the comfort of his personal intimacy with me. And, it, and you know, it's right in the midst of that struggle. It can be right in the midst of it. But he's there waiting to be gracious. Yeah. He's waiting. Where is he waiting? He is waiting. In Zephaniah 3, verse 17, resting silently in the comfort of his own love for us. And all he wants us to know is, listen, listen, it's not about your struggles. It's not about your failures. Those have been dealt with by Jesus Christ. They have. He's dealt with them. He's dealt with every single one of them for all of us. And all I want you to do is experience my comfort for you and my personal love for you. And I'm constantly going to draw you to that. He's, listen, he's, listen, he's not going to stop. I can't tell you how many times. Seriously, I quit. No, I'm serious. I am being dead on serious. I can't even tell you how many times. You would, you would probably be like, oh my God, you're preaching to us? You quit that many? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. But how can you quit? Can you quit on someone 
who will never quit on you. He can't. He won't. He won't let it happen. Honest to God, no. No. He is for us. And if God is for us, and He is, tell me what can be against us? Can my own thoughts be against us? Me? Nope. They can't be. None of them can be. They can't be. They can't be against us. And then finally, we'll go, we'll stop with Romans eight. Romans eight, and it's again. Well, that's Revelations 1, too, and that's very good, too. <laughs> Think about this, right? Even in Revelations 1, it, it, it says, in Revelations 1, 5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Ah, you know what? He's a faithful witness. You know what he's a faithful witness of? He already sees us complete and finished in us. Us and him, I should say. He already sees us that way. And you know who's the witness about that? Him. Yeah. Yeah. So when the enemy comes in and accuses us, because remember in Revelation 12, verse 10, he only accuses the brethren. <laughs> and he's not going to stop. And who cares? Can that stop the love of God? That's force. But he's the, he is the faithful witness. And he wants us to, to actually see that he's the faithful witness about every single thing in our life. He is the faithful witness. And the proof of it is he's the first begotten of the dead. <laughs> he went through it. He conquered death. He conquered everything that could separate us from God. You know the struggles we have? The failures? He already dealt with all those. So, okay, so we say, and I said this too, and I'm only saying we say because I've said it. Well, why all this then? Well, well, okay, say you just met someone. And for a whole day, you got to see how kind that person was and how loving they were. And then they were gone forever. How close would you be to that person? Then multiply that over the, the minutes, the seconds, the minutes, the hours, the days, the years, a lifetime of how much you see what a faithful witness he is. And then, you know, when we get to heaven, I wouldn't be surprised if God the Father or Christ would say, you can, you can stand up and we can say, I'm a faithful witness to him. My life is a faithful witness. I can tell you. He took me through these things. He's the first begotten of the dead. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. Now unto him that loved us. Very interesting. Did you know that before we ever met one trouble or one difficulty, he met it for us. Did Okay, so then why then? So we get to, to know the one in this process of life. So we get to know the one in an intimate way that did it for us, and now he's in us to reveal it to us. Okay, so, we, so what if we knew him? All right, Savior, one day. Great, save me, love me. Boom. See in 30 years, 50 years. No. A whole lifetime. 
Him getting us, getting to know us. We, us getting to know truthfully who we really are in Him, and then being able to fellowship with that for all eternity. He loved us, and He washed us, past tense again, from our from our sins in His own blood. I mean, His own life. He gave up everything for us in His humanity. Didn't hold back a thing. And has made us kings and priests. He's made us a kingdom of priests. Unto God and his Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Think about that. He has glory. Christ in us in Colossians 1.27. He's the hope of glory. The guarantee of glory. And the glory that he's gotten in his humanity, he's waiting to give it to us. Glory. Glory and dominion. Is there anything, truthfully, when we are in his presence, this is when we realize it, and when we're in his presence, we're just, we're depending on him. <laughs> and when we're in his presence, what do we see? He does have dominion over everything. He does. Over everything. He hasn't left anything undone. Yeah. And those troubles that he has gone before us in, and we're on a path, and are there difficulties in the path? Are there obstacles? Yeah, but who made those difficulties his? Who made those obstacles his? And he made them so that they would be the very means where we get to know who he is and his exclusive, intimate, incredible love for us. And then in that love, in Romans 8, verse 37, no, in all these things, in all these things. That's what we're learning. We're learning that in all these things, we are more than a conqueror through Him that loved us. Yeah. Can you imagine? Some of us has, have had and, and do have awesome husbands. Like, seriously, like Regina and like Jean. <laughs> and like Diane. We've had awesome husbands. But my gosh, what if you were married to them for one day, they loved you, they were kind, and they were gone. But over a lifetime, you got to see just how much they loved you. And that's true. How much more, God, through Jesus Christ, loving us through all the good times and the bad. And with some of us, it's through all the bad times and the bad. <laughs> and the good. Just throw that in. And the good. Well, and then verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. He's our beginning. Yep, that's right. That's right. He's our beginning. He's our end. And he's our master. That's Lord. Yeah. His love has conquered and mastered everything about us. Yeah, the enemy comes in like a flood in Isaiah 59, verse 19. Yes, he does. But the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. Now, who's the standard? Yeah, it's Jesus Christ. He's made everything about us his. He's made us his. He's made everything about us his. And everything that wasn't of him 
He crucified the old guy, the old you and I on the cross. He crucified it. And then he paid for what the old guy did. He already done He did all of that before we were born. So, if all of that was taken care of by God, and it's true, and thank God we have him to adjust to, and we all have to make those adjustments. And by the way, the truth of all these things, none of us can make any adjustments to them apart from grace. God always humble, has to humble us to get us the place to receive something we don't deserve. I mean, there's nothing. Oh, did you fail today wickedly? Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? What? It's not who you are. It's not who you are. It's not who we are at all. It isn't. Because all of that he made his and dealt with it. Isn't it true? It's true. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's our beginning. And he's our end. Which is and which, which was and which is to come. He's the Almighty. He dealt with since God is for us does it even matter what's against us if he's for us and he is amen amen